All right, and we are on week two of a series that is entitled PG for Parental Guidance Suggested. Uh, it is uh, from Mother's Day to Father's Day. I've been wanting to do this for years, and this is the first time I had enough courage to do it, <laughs> to do a parenting series from Mother's Day to Father's Day. And so this is week two. Last week, we looked at the topic, and every week, we're going to choose a movie title that the title itself is somewhat loosely related to the content of the message. Last week, we looked at the parent trap, and we took a look at common traps that we parents are susceptible to because we want to be good parents, and these traps we walk right into. Well, today we're taking a look at born identity. I will, the born identity. I keep wanting to just say born identity, but somebody tells me that's not the title. The title is the born identity. We're going to be looking at that in a moment. A little bit of review because uh, we're continuing from last week. If you missed last week, I wanted to stand alone for you so you can get the message today. And uh, you can get a hold of last week's message. Go to our website and uh, view it or download it and listen to it however you want to. Now, last week we talked about how our lives are shaped by many things, but there are three biggies. Our lives are shaped by our experiences, our choices, and our relationships. And a lot of shaping takes place between those three areas. But then we keyed in on one of those areas as being an area that influences the whole. And we talked about how relationships influences all three of those shaping things, experiences as well as relationships as well as choices. And we challenged ourselves with three questions. And these three questions we looked at as our PG dials, three dials that parents have their hands on. What are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? What are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? And what are you doing to influence your child's relationship with others. That relationship is really key to parenting. And we're going to get into some of those concepts and kind of go beyond them a little bit today um, as we look at those three dials. But we're going to continue to look at these dials and add an element today to help us understand some of the theological underpinnings that we often forget as parents. Because it's not just learning techniques and little uh, disciplinary uh, habits that we decide to employ. There's a lot more to it. And so today we're jumping into the born identity. Our focus reads this way. Parents need to understand their own identity and their child's identity. We uh, have habits as a parent. Now, maybe the only reason I have courage to bring a parenting series is because now I'm a grandpa, and maybe you're a grandpa or a grandma too, and you're thinking, well, I'm past that. I don't need a parenting series. I'm not past it. I want to learn how to be even a better grandpa than I am. And maybe some of you are here thinking, oh, crud, we picked the wrong week to come. I'm not at all interested in learning about parenting. If that's you, um, put on your glasses, put on your filter. I will definitely bring something that you can apply to your own life. So be listening for that, looking for that. This is really, really important. For those of us who are parents, if we've been through this, you get this. If you haven't been through this, you need to get this. When you went through carrying your child and then delivering your child and then bringing your child home, you did not know your child. You may think think you know them because you carried them for nine weeks, nine months, sorry. <laughs> Why are only the ladies laughing? <laughs> All right. 
And, and you think you know them. You think you know them far better than your spouse knows them. And you think you really are tuned in. And you probably are more tuned in than we. But still, you brought a stranger home to your house. You have a lot of learning yet to do to fully understand your child. And that's really important to parenting. Now, let me just say there's another thing that is really important to parenting that I'm not sure that I understood it. Understanding myself is really important to parenting. I wish that I had a much better handle on me and understanding me so I could have been even a better parent. I shouldn't have stuck in that word even. A better parent than I was. And so understanding ourselves and understanding our children and who they are and how God has put them together is really, really big. Now, that's the topic. We're going to get into that uh, in some detail. So let me put some concepts up there that we're going to be getting into today. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to a rebellion. Now, this is true of even our relationship with God. Maybe you didn't know this, but God established relationship before he gave any commandments. He was very quick to establish relationship. In both the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant, the relationship was first, an established relationship was first, then he began to build off of that relationship the commandments. So just in case you want to take a look at that later, if we don't have time for today, you might want to read Exodus in the Old Testament. As he established relationship, if you're really aggressive, just read Genesis and Exodus. You're going to get the, how God is a God of relationship before he gave the commandments. And if you just want to do the short version of the study, just read Exodus 19 and 20. And at the, at the beginning there, you're going to see that he had already established relationship before he gives the Ten Commandments, which is really, really important. Because the commandments without relationship is going to self-destruct. It's true with parenting. When you're heavy on the rules and light on knowing your child and light on the relationship with your child, you're formulating a disaster. It's just waiting to happen. There's going to be rebellion as the relationship wasn't there to sustain the discipline that you really were trying to implement in your home. It really helps to know what makes your child tick and what makes your child ticked off. It really helps. But I want to say something that helps to know that. It really helps to know what makes you yourself tick and what makes you ticked off. I was surprised. I thought I had, you know, pretty, pretty solid handle on my temper. But then I became a parent. <laughs> and... The whole temper thing, it, it really creeps up on you with your kids. And I think a lot of it has to do with a wrong idea of my own identity as well as my child's identity. I begin to see my own children as, as sort of uh, images of myself, reflections of who I am. And when, just last week we told story after story, but one of the stories was imagine yourself with a two to four year old in Walmart and there's a meltdown and it's a public and now what do you do? They're demonstrating a very, very vivid and what you feel like is offensive and poor reflection of your parenting skills. And so it kind of, it can rise inside of you and you can actually enter into this problem and part, become part of the display. 
of how ticked off you are and how they are images of your parenting. Ah! And we take things too personally as it relates to our parenting sometimes. And I'm, I want to teach us in a way that we learn some things that are rather kind of deep. Um, they're theological underpinnings. They're in the background. Most of us don't even think about this stuff, but it's absolutely critical if we want to get a handle on uh, our children and our parenting, our grandchildren and our grandparenting. It actually works, though, in all relationships to understand some of the concepts we're getting into. Now, let's just jump into a passage of Scripture first. Fathers, this is Paul writing, in Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I'm not going to go into the story. I've told it before. My son got a hold of this verse. He thought it was a great verse, and he pulled it out on me. He went above, his, uh, he went above my head. He went to the top to pull in the big guns, to uh, get somebody to be on his side to talk with me. I think that actually, you know, in retrospect, I think that's fabulous. He's got enough faith in, in God, his father, to go over my head and talk about this one. Let's set that one aside for a moment. Um, fathers, do not exasperate your children. It's a tendency within us, fathers, I think, even more than mothers, to see our children as chips off the old block and to begin to shape and mold and see things that aren't really there. We have them so much as little images of ourselves. We're shaping, molding, dreaming, thinking of their future and doing all we can to get them to go in the direction we, we're convinced these little geniuses are going. Okay? We're going to do everything possible to cause them the advantages and opportunities so they can become what we think they can become. I really threw wrenches at my parents when, as a kid, I was really enamored with a garbage truck, and I was convinced I was going to become a garbage truck driver in Japan. Uh, just So you can imagine um, the conversation that they had with me to try to convince them that there are unseemly parts of this job that I might not be so attracted to, but... And I remembered this. Interesting. We have dreams and goals for our kids, and it's based on what we consider them to be little chips off the old block, the images of ourselves. Now, we're not going to get into the um, theology by looking up the scripture of this. We don't have time for it this morning. But if you flipped your outline over, I give you some scriptures that we're not going into today. And it gets into the fact that we are created in the image of God. Okay? All individuals are created in the image of God. So parents, we're not the primary image. God is the primary image. And so some theology behind this, it's going to affect our thinking that's huge as it relates to our parenting. So here we go with point number one. Ready to fill in a blank? If you'd like to do that, here are the blanks. Everybody's born identity is bent. This is huge as it relates to parenting. Everybody's born identity is bent. Now, I want to talk about two bents. So go ahead and fill in A and B. We're going to get all filled out up to B at first here. Your baby was born with good bents, and your baby was born with bad bents. Okay? Yes, they were created in the image of God. And 
In that image, they were created with good bents. And that's why we view them as little angels. Aww. <laughs> he looks just like me. You know, that kind of thing. Um, they're born with good bents, and that's all God given. There's, there's a story wrapped up there, and that story is a story that God is wanting to write, and it's a unique story. It's a great story that only this little one can tell, and it's a story that's going to tell something about God. That's what he's designed here, and we are created in God's image to reflect something about God, and that is all very good. However, your baby was also born with bad bents. That's why we look at them and go, Ugh, they're little devils. And I didn't teach them that. Where did he get that? Okay? And uh, that is actually a theological truth. That since Adam and Eve, because their whole nature changed in their disobedience, everybody that was born into the human race after them was born into a changed nature where we are born with a bad bent. Okay? Now, I want to talk about that more specifically, and it's going to step on your toes, so draw them in. <laughs> when I say we're born with a bad bent, um, theologically, we're born with a bent toward sin. Now, I know that's a judgment. Uh, that's a judgment statement about morality. Some of you, aren't, you don't like that, but let me just have you consider something. You yourself know that you have an ideal Every time you're making a, a decision relationally, you have in your brain an ideal. An ideal husband would probably respond this way. <laughs> right? An ideal father would probably respond this way. Uh, and you ladies, an ideal wife would probably do this. An ideal mother would probably do this because you have in your heart and head an ideal. And part of the reason for that, Scripture says, is that God's principles are written on your heart. You have a, a thought that there is this ideal. And here's something else I know about every single one of you. None of you have lived up to your own ideal. You've fallen short of the ideal husband responses, you've fallen short of the ideal wife responses, you've fallen short of the ideal relationship person, and you fall short of the ideal parenting person. That just is part of it. And the scripture calls this, in some translations, the phrase is your sinful nature. I want to put it this way. We have a tendency toward self-centeredness. Okay? Now, here's what the word will try, the world the world will try to teach you. The world will try to teach you to raise up your child to look within because it's all in there and to listen to the heart and do what your heart wants you to do. I'm telling you, don't listen too close because you got a dangerous desires in that heart and good desires in that heart and you're not really good at discerning which desire you actually have a bent a bent towards self-centered decision-making that will read the heart toward God wants me to do this. And this this is self-centered. That's your bent, okay? So we got to work with these bents. So the good bent, you're creating God's image. You're created unique. 
Your story is going to only be your story. And that's why I see things in my son or my daughter where I saw things that weren't there. I wanted them to be more like me. And I wanted to put pressure on them to become more like actually the me that is the ideal me that I couldn't quite achieve. So come on, son. You can do this. Give them every advantage. And that just heaps on pressure and pressure to be the ideal that I could never be because I've given them every advantage. Do you see how that could be exasperating? Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but train them up in the instruction of the Lord. Part of that instruction, the way we're going to train them is to get to know them, what has God built into them, to see the bent, the good bents, as well as the bad bents, how they are shaped and how we need to work with that in their training. Here's the other part that happens when you understand this. I just forgot it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's the other part that... We'll come back to that because it'll come to me. Let's put some concepts on the screen. Every parent soon learns that children are not taught to do wrong. They learn that all on their own. You ever, you ever watch that? What every parent needs to learn is that their children do not learn how to do right on their own. God has placed parents as, as the agents for training in this little bundle's life. It's a heavy responsibility. And just as he established relationship first before he gave rules, we established relationship, get to know this child, and work with that. I remember what it was. All right. <laughs> Learn how you tick and what ticks you off. So you tell little, little Johnny, that's not my son's name, you tell little Johnny, don't do that anymore. It's really, it's disgusting. Okay, got this? You're not going to do that? You don't want to do that anymore, right? Okay, Daddy, I'll, I'll not do that anymore. And what does Johnny do? He does it again. <laughs> That's fine, because I'm a patient person. <laughs> Johnny, let's work this through. I've talked this over with you. You're not going to do this anymore. And then Johnny does it again within the same hour. And it seems like the more I focus on it, the more he does it. And that really ticks me off. That brings that, that thing that I thought I had complete control. I, I know me. But if you keep doing over and over and over again, and I keep training and training and training, it makes no sense. Really. How stupid can you be? Don't wear my last name, dude. We're smarter than this. Okay? Quit it. Quit it. Quit it. What part of quit don't you know? Okay, let's stop this. Okay, if you ask him, why are you doing this? You know what his answer is? <laughs> You've been there. And he's telling the truth. He has no clue why he keeps doing this. You know why he's doing it? because he's acting in the perfect reflected image of his father. And it ticks me off. <laughs> right? 
We, and we don't even recognize that. How, why are you doing this? It seems so stupid. But then if you really look in the mirror, God, my father has been telling me and telling me and telling me and telling me and telling me. And I say, I won't do it again. Please forgive me. I'm not going to do this again. And guess what? I do it again. And I do it again. And if you ask me, why do you keep doing that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, why? Because I haven't really figured out what makes me tick. But I'm telling us, this is what is the problem. We are born with the bent. A tendency towards sin, a tendency towards self centeredness that is it makes no sense because it's self-destructive we keep going to the self-destructive thing we just no don't do this i'm not going to do this and we just do it again if we get this as parents we will completely change how we interrelate with our kid instead of being embarrassed i can't believe you're the reflection of me we'll come alongside them i get it and i have been put here as an agent to walk with you in this Here's what God is teaching me about us. Now, you've got to be careful with how much you share about us. Keep it at the kid level, okay? And what is working with you, you need to begin to share with them. Let's go to Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This proverb, I can't tell you how many settings I've been in where we walk through this and somebody hangs on to this proverb in a way that is completely misunderstanding the text. Here's how the parent goes. And this is usually the parents of an adult child. The adult child has been raised and they're thinking like this, God, okay, I raised up the child the way he should go. I, I brought him to church. I taught him about you. I taught him about your, your word. I taught him to pray. He's declared his faith in you. So I'm hanging on to this promise that he's not going to depart from it because I did all that I know how to do in those years. And from everything I can see, he has nothing to do with you. And I'm just going to hang on to this as a promise that he's not going to depart from this thing that I, I taught him what, the way he should go. I'm telling you, we're reading this proverb wrong. That is not how to read this verse. And I'm going to pull the carpet right out from underneath you. Uh, you can argue with me. The text is the authority, not me. But here's what I'm going to do with this. A proverb is a proverb. It's not a promise. Proverb is a collection of wisdom sayings that hold true generally. This is not a promise that says, because you did this, you're going to get this no matter what. This is a general truth. And here's how we need to read the verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. Not print up a child in the way he should go. It's talking about the good bents and recognizing the good bents in the shape and the identity in which he has created that child, him or her. And we should train that child in the way he should go instead of seeing that child as a little me with all the advantages. You could just do better than this. Oh, come on, come on, come on. And shoving him into a wedge that is not him. And then because of that relationship error, not reading him properly, not knowing yourself properly, putting your hand on the dial in such a way, rebellion is the result. 
And this is saying, no, don't do that. Make sure you're reading him correctly, understanding how God has wired him, made him, shaped him, and understand yourself. Now come alongside him and help him go the way he should go because there's a story God is going to tell through his life. Then when he's old, have you shaped him this way? He won't depart from it because you're working with his makeup and training him understanding his bad bents. And rather than viewing every single one of those bad bents as, I can't believe what I, I'm, I'm better than this. I've raised you better than this. Instead of reacting personally, he's not doing this against you. He doesn't know why he's doing this. You're coming alongside and helping him figure out why he's doing this. You understand that why you're bent in this direction? Do you understand what the problem is here? I'm bent in the wrong direction too. And this is the answer. And then we're going to take them to the answer. We're going to be agents to help take them to the place he should go by his wiring. Point number two. Here's what we're aiming for. Aim for reborn identity. Don't get stuck in just born identity. As parents, we are agents to aim and shape our child towards the reborn identity of where God wants them to be. Very much like our statement as a church. Help them move from wherever they are as a child to where God wants them to be. Become an agent to help them take those steps. They're not doing this against you. They're doing it just like you. And you, as a believer, had to learn how to break some of those bents, and you can't be the savior of your child. There's only one Savior. It's the Savior who saved you, if you are saved. There's only one being who claims to be the way, the truth, the life, the answer to solve your bents. And there's only one answer for the bents of your child. If you're just aiming at behavior, you'll never get there. So here's the principle, concept. As a parent, you're not just dealing with bad behavior but a condition that causes bad behavior. There's an underlying condition of this sinful nature, an underlying condition of this bent towards self-centeredness, this underlying condition that is there in rebellion to God that needs to be addressed. And as you help them figure it out, you know why you don't know what you're doing? It's because you're doing wrong and you have a tendency to want to do wrong and that's wrong. And it says that about us. We need a savior. And so you have to aim toward a reborn identity because you as a parent cannot shape them past this. You don't have the equipment to fix this. You have to help them see that you needed the salvation that comes through a savior and they do too. This is huge. The only complete answer for our condition, our tendency towards sin, is Jesus. Now, let me just talk this through. The complete answer is something I cannot earn. I cannot get right on my own. I can't take steps and make it work for me. I can only receive it by grace when I acknowledge something's wrong inside. I can't get this right It comes through confession and appealing to a Savior. What Jesus did on the cross then is something that is made available to us. It was a great cost to him. 
But if we receive it, he then can give us forgiveness, which we don't deserve. And if he gives us this forgiveness because we've asked for it, now he can actually implant in us a holiness through his spirit that is not ours. This is great news. If we are then forgiven based on what we don't deserve, based on what Jesus deserves, and we're washed clean by what Jesus did, now he can place within us Jesus' spirit that equips us, empowers us to be able to succeed in the areas we've failed and failed and failed. Now we have a new identity that gives us the ability to succeed. Now, while we're in this mortal body, we will not be perfect. We will celebrate forgiveness. We will come alongside our children and point them towards a Savior and celebrate forgiveness and point them towards the Spirit of God so they'll rely on a power that's bigger than themselves to be able to accomplish what they cannot do on their own. And we're going to be agents to help them do this because we learned how to do this ourselves. That, my friends, is what a believing parent is called to do. Here's a passage of Scripture to finish this off for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Hey, the bents are straightened by receiving what God will give to us. We can't earn it. We can't fix it. We can't make it better. We can't try harder to get it to happen. We have to just rely on a new identity. It's the reborn identity. We came with the bents. The only solution is rebirth that is not earned. Rebirth that is given. Rebirth that comes through a Savior. And the Savior then enters in. And every time you fail, you go to the Savior, celebrate your forgiveness, and ask him for the ability to do what you've never been able to do before. He'll give you what you need to honor his life because you are loved and you are created in the image of God to reflect God and godliness through his power and forgiveness. Grace gets all the credit and you will get none of the credit. It's all about Jesus. Parents, the next part is for us. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our jobs as parents. Now, just in case you're not a parent, that's your job if you're a believer in every relationship. He has given us the job of being reconcilers of relationships to help point people to this reconciling relationship where our solution is there in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We help the enmity between us. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep doing wrong. I don't know why I keep disobeying. That enmity is removed because we're loved, forgiven, and receive reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Now we enter into that ministry. You know what worked for me? Jesus. I can't do it on my own. But when I turn to Jesus, I literally do. Confess it, forsake it, and look to Jesus. He does it. He helps me. I can do it. If you keep telling yourself, I can't do it, you will live according to what you believe. But if you tell yourself what Jesus can do, I can do. And you can train your children in what you've learned in your new belief and training they can experience a reborn identity as well. Would you pray with me? 
Father, we thank you for this underpinning of truth, deep subjects about who we are on the inside, a recognition that things are not right and they need to be made right with you. Help us as parents to make ourselves right before you that we will have the love that comes from you to be agents of reconciliation and help our children to find you again. Lord, we recognize there's a lot of pain in this room as some of the adult children that we love are not walking with you. Help us to know how to answer the three questions. How can we still put our hand on the dial to dial in the relationship we have with our kids? How can we put our hand on the dial to help in some small way that they might consider you, that we could advance a relationship with you? Lord, we ask that you would lead us in the steps that you'd have for us from where we are right now in our chair in the relationships that you've given us. Bless our families. Bless the parents. Allow these parents to be agents that bring children before you and train them how to walk with you and take steps through your power. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for the cross. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.